When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it's news. We bring you the best insight and analysis of all the issues in world football which make you want to talk to us and us to you. It's Monday and it's news, news, news. Transfer Window is open and Transfer Guru... Duncan Castles, as always, is here to bring you right up to date with what's happening and the things that you don't know about. We're going to start today with some Manchester United news, not just on one, two player, but on three players. Duncan, um, we've been discussing for quite some time, as indeed Manchester United have, with (laughs) Davidea and his agent, uh, his contract situation. But you have um, some uh, new information regarding where they are at uh, with De Gea and contract negotiations. Yes, um, Manchester United finally uh, made an improved offer to David De Gea last week. Um, I'm told there was a meeting in London between uh, George Mendes and Manchester United, um, David De Gea's representative, to discuss uh, whether they could find a solution um, to uh, that long-standing impasse on um, De Gea's new contract. As of today, he is in the final year of his uh, current deal. Uh, United haven't taken up that uh, year option on his contract. Um, as we told you, they have the situation has been extremely open in the sense that United have uh, gone as far as making a bid um, for the Ajax goalkeeper Andre Onana um, as a potential replacement for De Gea because they were unsure whether they would be able to retain him this season. They've inquired about other goalkeepers, including Mike Mignon at Lille. Um, I'm told that the situation has not been resolved, that the discussions are ongoing, that United have improved their offer. Um, as we explained to you, uh, De Gea feels that he should have his uh, contract terms improved to the same level as Alexis Sanchez, the best paid, paid player at Manchester United, um, as a reward for being the most consistent and best performer for Manchester United um, for numerous seasons over the course, of not just this contract, but his previous contract. Um, he had been told uh, by Ed Woodward that that was not going to happen, that uh, Woodward was not ready to uh, match the terms uh, he'd agreed to pay to Alex Sanchez to bring him from Arsenal in January 2018. So uh, decisions to be made, I think, on both parts. Um, but some positive news um, for Manchester United supporters in that at least um, the sides are coming closer together and that United have recognised um, that they do not want to lose the goalkeeper and that uh, an improved offer had to be made to try and retain him and we'll keep you updated on um, how those discussions go and whether there is a resolution over the next weeks. Of course, Duncan, uh, we've said um, on many editions of the podcast that Paris Saint-Germain 
is the most likely uh, option and destination for David De Gea uh, because obviously with Gianluigi Buffon's contract not being renewed there, uh, the, their interest is very concrete. They've made a contract offer to De Gea, one which he has yet to say yes or no to. I guess the, the decision for him is, um, does he want to go to Paris and play in the game or does he want to stay at Manchester United and play in the Premier League? Because at this moment in time, his preferred destination, as I think everyone would uh, consider to be the case, uh, Real Madrid is not yet open to him, despite the fact that uh, Zinedine Zidane has question marks and doesn't have full confidence in Thibaut Courtois. So, uh, but with Madrid effectively behaving in the market where they are not um, prioritising a goalkeeper, um, it would seem that De Gea's choice is one or other, and that is Paris or Manchester. I think he has three choices. Um, I think uh, Paris Saint-Germain are obviously a strong option as they need a goalkeeper of that quality and that ability, and they have an interest in, in De Gea. Um, whether they're in the financial position to um, buy him from Manchester United this summer and to meet the financial terms De Gea would require to move there is another matter. Um, Madrid, there is a definite interest there. As you say, Zinedine Zidane does not have full faith in Thibaut Courtois. I can tell you that Courtois was offered to Manchester United by Madrid um, as part of their attempts to sign Paul Pogba. Obviously, if that was um, able to be put into effect, then they would need a starting goalkeeper and De Gea would come back into uh, the discussion for Madrid. problem on that side is that Thibaut Courtois does not want to leave Madrid. He's made it quite clear that he will not uh, willingly move to another club. So uh, when you, you, you add the complexity of trying to shift out a very well-paid goalkeeper and a very good goalkeeper who's only just moved there um, and having to find a home for him, and uh, rolling that into a Paul Pogba deal, it becomes very complicated. But you have to remember here that De Gea has a third option and one that has been made clear to Manchester United may well be taken if they do not come up with a satisfactory deal. And that is simply to sit out the final year of his contract, to become a free agent, um, to remove from the equation any transfer fee and any negotiations that would be required with Manchester United. And... Um, obviously, if he becomes a free agent, then the transfer fee that would have been part of that deal he can, can be used uh, to be added into his personal terms. And therefore, he will end up almost certainly with a far uh, more lucrative deal by taking that option. So, so there's, there's, there, there are three fundamental choices here. One, move to another club this summer if a deal can be put in place to sign a new contract at Manchester United either this summer or during the season. Three, leave as a free agent in a year's time uh, knowing that that will be the option which um, which is most lucrative. And, and also, if he waits for a year, you have the potential that another um, major club um, it, it needs a goalkeeper of his, his stature and you bring more potential suitors into the uh, into the equation. It's a good point you make that for De Gea, um, he could effectively just see at the end of his contract. Um, I think we all know that his preferred and indeed 
something which many people believe uh, he feels his destiny is to be Real Madrid's goalkeeper. And um, having started uh, or simply made his name at Atletico Madrid, um, his natural home might be across the city with Real. Uh, and therefore, um, setting out the final year of his contract uh, in order for um, that club to decide on Courtois um, regarding um, their long-term plan for who's going to be their goalkeeper in the next four or five years. And obviously, it's a position where you can easily play, as Buffon has proven, uh, until you're 40, then that would be an option for De Gea. Someone who's not quite as old and someone whose contract is also running down, Duncan, is Marcus Rashford. Um, there's been a lot of conversations um, regarding his future and whether or not he would leave Manchester United. Um, some people have speculated that Barcelona um, have been interested in taking him to the Camp Nou. Um, I'm not so sure that that's the case given the, uh, the striking ability they currently have. However, um, United have shown uh, a policy in the last year or so of re-signing um, certainly their English-born talent uh, to new contracts. Is there any update on Rashford? Yes, um, I understand he has an agreement with Manchester United on a new contract. He had, as you say, had one year left on his current deal with an option for an additional year. Um, as you say, he's uh, reported to have been of interest to Madrid and Barcelona. Um, I think this is a very familiar pattern you see with um, almost every young England international of his stature or similar stature um, when it comes to trying to get their deals improved at their current clubs or at another Premier League club. You will see these stories of Real Madrid, Barcelona, sometimes Paris Saint-Germain, sometimes Juventus interest. Um, it's correct there is an interest in Barcelona uh, in Marcus Rashford. But uh, to suggest that interest was ever going to turn into a transfer um, was somewhat um, overstretching the mark. Um, and I think it's, it's not hard to see why, given that Barcelona are currently um, working on deals to bring uh, Antoine Griezmann and Neymar to the club. So um, not would we quite say, the category of player. So would we first say, Duncan, that this is a Nicholas McGaitan type manoeuvre? <laughs> I think I think there's there's another there's, there has to be another phrase for it which I'll, I'll I'll leave you to come up with I can't can't think about myself at the moment but it is a it's a standard standard negotiating tactic used by these young English players um, United have bitten and they have given him a very substantial pay rise albeit I think a, a large percentage of that pay rise is performance related. Um, <sighs> It's no surprise they've done so, given that uh, he is one of their better players. He's probably the best of their young players. He is English. He has a great marketing appeal. He's popular um, with the supporters. To lose him would be embarrassing. But the other side of it is, um, I think they're almost certainly overpaying for what he's provided on the football field so far. So again, you're looking at potential and you're looking at can he develop into the, the centre forward that um, other managers, previous managers have considered him 
capable of developing into. Uh, we've talked quite often about how his game remains kind of one-dimensional uh, in, in terms of a, a, what he wants to be, which is the number nine, the, the starting centre-forward for Manchester United. He's very dependent on his pace. He's not as good a finisher as uh, others in his position. Doesn't like playing with his back to goal. He's not very good aerially. All of these things, he should be improvable and physically he, he should have the, the capability to play with his back to goal and he should be better in the air. But uh, I haven't seen personally a great deal of progress on that front in the last couple of years. And, and it's interesting that well, you've got a situation where Romelu Lukaku wants to leave Manchester United and Manchester United are clearly open to selling him should they uh, get a substantial fee, basically get the money they, they spent bringing him uh, from Everton uh, as a deal this summer. But if you look at their statistics last season, um, Marcus Rashford started 34 Premier League and Champions League games uh, for Manchester United. He played 3,067 minutes. He scored 12 goals. Um, Romelu Lukaku in what was... I think fair, fair to consider a poor season by his standards. He only had 28 starts in the Premier League and Champions League. He had um, 400 minutes less in the field, yet he scored 14 goals. So Lukaku, for all the, the, the areas in which you can criticise his game, was still providing more in terms of goals on the pitch for Manchester United last season, in a season in which he started overweight, um, had some off-field problems, and then was dropped by Solskjaer and, and, and their starting position was given to Rashford um, pretty much for the rest of the season. So there is a question mark over whether they're, they're backing the right horse in terms of um, current performances for the club. I don't think you'll see Lukaku drop off those numbers. You can argue that he might not um, he might not have much scope to improve in his game. I think he has improved as a player after coming from Everton. He's more of a team player. He's uh, more conscious of the offside line than he ever was before. He's capable of playing down the wings and, and providing goals that way. So I, I see his game has developed. Um, and I, I'm not sure that he can go much further. Uh, but he is a more consistent provider of goals than Marcus Rashford has ever been. And the question mark for Rashford and, and Solskjaer, now that Manchester United have committed to him, is can they turn him into the player he needs to be um, to lead a team that should be challenging for the Premier League title and, and challenging at the top end of the Champions League? Duncan, I, I feel like there's a question which needs to be asked here, especially um, from Manchester United's perspective and from their fans' perspective, but also probably from um, any football fan in England, which is, is Marcus Rashford the new Danny Welbeck? <laughs> well, look, a lot of people in football would argue that Manchester United made a mistake in letting Danny Welbeck go and that he was, a, he was never going to be a top centre-forward but he was a consistent performer for them. He was a good squad player to have. He scored goals, um, contributed well to the team. Um, you'd like to hope that Marcus Rashford can reach higher levels than Danny Welbeck um, was capable of, of reaching. 
but that is going to require an evolution in his game. And as I say, I don't, I haven't seen the signs of developing those additional skills that you would want to see a player of his physical and technical ability develop. And you know, when Solskjaer came to the club, there was a lot of talk about how um, Solskjaer was going to co- coach him as to becoming a better finisher. Um, uh, teach him the arts of being a centre-forward, go through the kind of process that Solskjaer himself did uh, as a footballer at Manchester United to make himself the best striker he could be. Um, that is obviously something that you can do with a striker. You can coach them to be more efficient in the box, to make better decisions, to to make better runs. You can work on, on you know, if a player doesn't like receiving the ball with his back to goal, which Rashford clearly doesn't, you can you can work on that and train that and and, uh, and make him conscious of it and, and develop that skill. We haven't really seen it, have we? We saw we saw a burst of, of you know confidence play when he was made number nine and and a, a series of good performances against basically the weakest teams in the Premier League. Same sort of process as we saw with Paul Pogba, and uh, and then he went backwards. So I think there's a the, the question is where where he goes next. Does he take this and work in his game or does he take it and sit in his laurels and uh, just say, right, I am number nine. Solskjaer's moving the competition out. I've got the big contract. I can carry on as, as I've been doing and that's satisfactory for the club. So that, that's why a deal like this has a lot of risk involved with it. Um, you have to be sure you can, you can get the player to respond in the way you want him to because you can't... This contract is not... If this contract is simply judged on whether uh, Marcus Rashford is worth being one of the best played players at Manchester United, one of the best paid players in England, on his current levels, then it's clearly a mistake. However, if he develops into the player that people expect him to develop into, then it's a good decision. The question is, can Rashford make that happen? And the answer to the question I asked is that Marcus Rashford may not be the new Danny Welbeck, but for sure... Duncan Castles is the new Dalai Lama in terms of his diplomacy. Um, <laughs> no one has ever said that before. <laughs> indeed, indeed, but you do have a similar haircut. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, Duncan, there's been a lot, some, some, I think, bizarre, bizarre speculation over the future of Diego Dalot um, at Manchester United, a player who um, we first revealed would be joining the Old Trafford Club. Um, and also someone who I think has done very well in the opportunities that he has been given um, to play at Manchester United. Now, I can believe that um, he might be frustrated by the lack of game time, etc. But what I can't believe is that uh, United have invested quite a lot of money <clears throat> in a very promising young player, only to effectively uh, let him go. I, I don't see that as being a possibility, but... Um, are rumours true with regarding uh, Delore and a possible departure? Yeah, there were some reports um, after the Aaron Wan-Bissaka um, transfer deal, which we told you about in the podcast or two weeks ago, uh, was confirmed by Manchester United uh, this weekend that Delore had been told he could leave the club. I've checked that um, with someone close to Delore and I'm told it's absolutely not true um, that he has never been better at the club um, was the, the phrase that was uh, 
was the response to that. Um, I think he's very confident going into this new season. Um, I think he feels that his uh, the physical problems he had when he arrived at Manchester United because he just had uh, had to have a surgery on a on a problem that Porto had allowed to develop in his um, in his uh, final uh, months there. He feels now that he's got his physical condition back. He's quite confident, quite satisfied with what he achieved on the pitch as a as a starting um, season, given those uh, physical issues he had and given that the, the manager who signed him uh, was moved out of the club um, midway through his first season. Um, and uh, obviously ready for the challenge. I, I don't know where they plan to play him. Um, Obviously, right back is going to be Wan-Bissaka's position. You don't spend um, 55 million on a, on a defender and not use him there. Um, and as we've said, Wan-Bissaka, his entire uh, senior career has been at right back, even though he was a a, a winger uh, at academy level. So um, that's pretty much the only place he can play. Delo interestingly broke into the Porto team playing at left back because they had a um, an injury crisis there. So he is capable of playing on the left. It's I don't think it's his best side because his his, his greatest weapon is um, is his attacking play and his crossing is um, really exceptionally good. And if you put him on his, his wrong foot, then obviously that that crossing ability doesn't work as well. You could potentially play him as a right winger. Um, he played at youth level at Porto, um, right midfield and, and right wing. So he may be uh, an option there, which is a position United don't have um, a first choice player. But certainly from his perspective, he's not been told um, he can leave or to find himself a new club. And he's looking forward um, to his second full season at Manchester United. Well, from one full back to another, and we have news for you, um, as we always like to do so, uh, on Kieran Tierney, the Celtics left back. Um, we uh, told you last week in the podcast that Celtic had turned down uh, the initial offer from Arsenal for the player. Uh, we now have been told, or I have been told certainly, that um, Arsenal made a renewed offer of £20 million for Tierney. Uh, the structure of the payment is crucial because Arsenal's transfer budget is limited. And uh, what I uh, have been told is that Arsenal are willing to pay £10 million up front for Tierney and £10 million a year from now, which uh, makes up uh, Celtic's initial valuation of £20 million uh, as a down payment, plus £5 million of add-ons, which would be paid in years three, four and five of the contract which Arsenal have projected. Um, no news yet as to whether or not Celtic have agreed to those particular um, uh, aspects of the payment structure. Ian, do we know what uh, Tierney's position is on Arsenal? Because obviously he's been extremely reluctant and resistant to move from Celtic in, in previous years and his loyalty to the club is well known. Have, have Arsenal convinced him that, that's, uh, that now is the right time to move to the Premier League? I don't think that Tierney is entirely convinced about moving. Um, he's very much a homeboy, if you like, um, with an H and um, would like to spend more time in his career at Celtic. However, 
um, Celtic's willingness to sell him um, has been uh, definitely an issue with regards to his thinking and those around him who believe that if Celtic want to sell, then he should consider his future. Now, what's complicated about this is the fact, obviously, that Arsenal's spending ability depends upon uh, bringing um, players in in the same way that they sell players out. And Pierre Aubameyang is one who they have marketed to several clubs in Europe, including um, Bayern Munich. Uh, He was joint top scorer uh, in the Premier League last season. Clearly, Arsenal see him as someone who, at age of 30, they could probably increase the profit for the money that they spent in buying him from British Dortmund. So in doing so, they will uh, enrich their transfer funds in terms of incoming players. Um, Obama Yang himself is not, I understand, unwilling to move club, especially with um, the interest from China, where, as we know from the Rafa Benitez situation, money is still plentiful and that he can actually uh, go there and make a, a huge um, amount of money in terms of um, what is currently being paid by Arsenal. And Arsenal would also benefit from the fact that they will be able to um, get rid of or export one of their highest earners uh, in their club as well and therefore make money to bring players in, including Tierney, but also players that they clearly need in midfield and up front. So with regards to the Tierney transfer, um, Aubameyang was not exactly central to it, but it's definitely the case that Arsenal are making every effort to um, ensure that uh, a structure payment to Celtic is one which they can um, afford and also they can fulfil. Yeah, I think it, it's Arsenal, you know, as, as we uh, talked about in the podcast um, with Jonathan Northcroft recently, Arsenal have a, a real problem in that they've allocated a large amount of their um, salary uh, cap or salary structure to three players, um, Aubameyang, um, Meza Ozil and Henrik Mkhitaryan, all of whom were signed in January 2018 or, um, or given a new contract uh, in January 2018 in Ozil's case. Um, and two of whom uh, did not feature greatly under Unai Emery. Um, I think if you look at the number of Premier League minutes played last season, um, both Ozil and Mkhitaryan were outside the top 11 players. Um, in the Arsenal squad, which um, when you when you're spending that much money on these two individuals and you're not getting uh, sufficient game time for them, you've got an issue. Um, we know that Stan Kroenke limits spending at the club. Um, uh, Raul Sanye he gave an interview recently um, for the club television channel, in which he said that uh, their their um, their position was that. Uh, the club was allowed to spend every uh, penny of revenue it generated, um, but financial fair play rules prevented them from going any further. I, I think that's why you see what seems like a counterintuitive um, move to offer Aubameyang uh, to other clubs. I'm sure if um, Arsenal were able to, they would they'd prefer to shift Ozil and Mkhitaryan to another club, but Aubameyang actually has a market because, as you say, he was joint top scorer in the, the Premier League last season um, with Sadio Mane and Mo Salah. 
Um, therefore, they have, a, they have a real opportunity to find someone who's prepared to take those wages on. And then uh, if they can shift, open up that room in their wage bill, then they can reallocate it, not so much to Kieran Tierney, who will be a relatively inexpensive signing in terms of in Premier League terms, because he's coming from Celtic rather than from, uh, from one of the, the top Champions League clubs. But it would give them room to recruit in midfield, uh, centre back, which is a which is a real priority p- position for them, and potentially to um, to replace Obama Yang um, with another striker. Remember, um, Danny Welbeck is, has has been released um, uh, under freedom of contract this summer, so that there's a, a slot in in the squad there. So they do have some quite painful rebuilding work to do. Um, I think Tierney, if they can secure that deal, is an intelligent one because uh, uh, there's been a lot of value buys bought from the Scottish League in recent years. Um, people are, tend to be uh, critical of, of purchases from Scotland, but you, have, you look at players like Virgil van Dijk, um, Andy Robertson, who have come down for, um, from Scotland for effectively minimal fees by Premier League standards and, and turned into top performers, not just in England, but in Europe. So um, to try and secure who many people consider to be the best of the current Scottish Premier League players at a reasonable price, at a reasonable salary, um, get them straight into uh, your squad uh, is a it's a it's a creative solution, an intelligent solution, one that has a good chance of working. But they, need to, they clearly need to do a lot more than that um, to get themselves uh, into contention at the top end of the Premier League. Uh, they, their stated aim is to be challenging again for the Premier League, to be challenging to win the, the, the Champions League. Uh, but they're honest enough to say that um, that won't happen overnight. The first thing they have to do is get back into the Champions League after three years failing to qualify for it. And Oz as well, Duncan, the fact that a player like Aaron Ramsey obviously would like to leave on a free transfer and join Juventus. And also that Lucas Torreira uh, has been um, a subject of bids from AC Milan in central midfield. So it's it's a strange time for Arsenal, I think, in this particular transfer window with regards to um, how they strengthen their squad uh, and hope to compete both domestically and in Europe. Uh, it seems yeah, like... I, th- I think so, and I think Ramsey is a good example. Um, in, in that interview, the, the Sanya, he talked in, in depth about why they'd allowed Aaron Ramsey to leave. He made it clear that they did not want to see him go, but they could not afford to match the offers um, that, that had been put in front of him by Juventus. Uh, and essentially, they can't afford to match it because they have so much of their salary devoted to the, the, the three players. To Mkhitaryan, met, that, yeah, to what you said, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's quite a kind of um, ironic situation given that um, even Gazidis, the departed, now departed chief executive, was the person behind those contract upgrades um, and had left a problem uh, on the plate of the incumbents at Arsenal with regards to how they deal with those salary problems and, and people coming in. So from issues in North London to the sale of a very important player in southern France, Lyon's um, box-to-box midfielder, Tanguy Ndombele, 
um, possibly the most phonetic midfielder currently on the market in European football. Uh, a fee has been agreed, we understand, with Spurs. However, we don't believe it's quite as straightforward as things may seem, um, despite the fact that Leon themselves have agreed a deal with Lille for the transfer of Thiago Mendes to replace Ndombele. Duncan, we know Spurs have, have got the, uh, I guess, the first step up in terms of this player. Is it going to be the case that he'll end up at the um, new um, unsponsored stadium? Or will it be the case that there's other options for him? Well, the, the news from France is that a fee has been agreed that um, Jean-Michel Olas has managed to uh, ramp up the initial offer of 45 million euros that Daniel Levy made for Ndombele to um, 62 million guaranteed and 10 million of bonuses and easily achieved uh, bonuses. So an effect of 72 million, which is very close to what Olas had said um, last week was his asking price of uh, 80 million euros. Um, as we told you on the podcast when we first discussed this, the difficulty for Tottenham has always been to convince Ndombele that, uh, that they are the right club to start his career away from Lyon. Um, as we mentioned, he has seen his teammate Ferland Mendy move to Real Madrid, sees his international teammate uh, Paul Pogba on the way to Real Madrid and he considers himself a player who should be at a club of that status. Um, Paris Saint-Germain have been interested. Juventus have been interested, although Ndombele, I'm told, did not want to go there because they um, did not like Serie A as a destination. And indeed, um, Juventus have now got a deal in place to sign um, Adrian Rabio um, on a free transfer from um, Paris Saint-Germain um, in addition to Aaron Ramsey um, coming from Arsenal also uh, in a deal that did not include that did not involve a transfer fee um, I think Ndombele will end up at Tottenham um, because he doesn't it doesn't look like there is going to be a competing offer for him this summer and it's clear that Olas wants to sell the player so you have the pressure coming internally from his club to take the deal. He's being offered um, a very lucrative financial contract at Tottenham. And Tottenham, I'm told, are desperate to secure the deal. Um, obviously, a player that Maurizio Pochettino wants, definitely the type of player Pochettino wants to rebuild his, his midfield with, which is a more technical, quicker player, capable of, uh, of playing a different kind of football in midfield to uh, individuals like Eric Dyer, who he, he has at present. Um, but persuasion has, has been required to make that move happen. Um, there are some question marks in France about the player's general attitude. Um, clear, clearly a player of immense ability, which we've seen, uh, for example, against Manchester City in the Champions League. But consistency of performance has been in question. So it's going to be a, something of a managerial challenge for Pochettino, bringing him to London, bringing him to a new league and making him central to to the team and getting the high-level performances that's uh, convinced Tottenham to make that kind of bid out of him on a regular basis. As you say, Olas has, um, 
agreed a deal with Leo um, for Thiago Mendes as a replacement. Thiago Mendes, Brazilian midfielder, um, valued at 25 million euros in a deal, which also um, will bring Yusuf Kone from Leo to uh, Lyon as a replacement for Ferland Mendy. Uh, Kone, the left back, um, will cost another 12 million um, plus a 25% uh, sell-on uh, bonus should Leon move him to another club. He's a 23-year-old um, defender in the future. So, um, yes, I think Endombele will end up at Tottenham, but not absolutely uh, a done deal at this stage. Well, from Tottenham to uh, solving a problem at Manchester City, Duncan, um, we've talked a lot about John Stones. We've talked a lot about the possibility of Harry Maguire moving to the Etihad Stadium. But, I understand that you have got some information regarding something of an icon in um, defending terms and someone who certainly would um, be very, very attractive to Pep Guardiola. The player I'm talking about is Leonardo Bonucci at Juventus, someone who is um, very, very um, highly rated and also has a salary to match that. But at 32 years old, is clearly in the latter part of his career, would he be an option for City, even short term, um, regarding um, their need to replace uh, Vincent Company? This is um, it's a story that's emerged that City Football Group, um, the holding company that Manchester City use um, to control uh, multiple clubs globally and the structure that they've used as a means of um, solving financial fair play problems, uh, in the sense that they can uh, have a, a joint scouting network, for example, um, for the entire group um, and transfer the costs of that scouting net network onto the partner clubs rather than have them all charged to Manchester City. Um, they've also done some clever things in the past in terms of moving players between clubs in the group, uh, bringing Aaron Moy, for example, from uh, Melbourne City in Australia to uh, Manchester City before selling him to Huddersfield at a profit. Um, the story is that the City Football Group are looking at Leonardo Bonucci with the idea of taking him to New York City. Um, why is this of interest? Well, you'll remember um, several years back that Frank Lampard, was signed by New York City, by City Football Group, um, had said he would not play for any other English club at the end of his uh, Chelsea career, ended up playing for Manchester City on loan um, for uh, uh, an entire season, uh, after having supposedly been signed by um, New York City. So you could see a solution in those circumstances for Manchester City who are trying to get a starting centre-back um, who don't have the ideal option in the market at present um, have been looking at Harry Maguire as you know, we've talked about several times clearly is not perfect fit to Pep Guardiola's system have been looking at um, Mario Hermoso at Espanyol um, who would be more suited to Guardiola's type of football um, but uh, also a, a, an element of, of risk involved as he's, a, he's still a young uh, defender who's only played in Spain. 
Bonucci is a player that Guardiola has admired for a long time and has tried to bring to Manchester City in the past. Um, he chose to remain in Italy at that time for family reasons, uh, made a move internally in Italy um, from Juventus uh, and got a, a large increase in salary, has moved back to Juventus since, re remains on an extremely high salary. But um, if City were able to manufacture something in which they could have Bonucci uh, for a season before, uh, before he moved to City Football Group, you could see that as being a, a, as a backup alternative. Um, if they can't find the, the, the full transfer of a younger player that they want this summer, who could come into the squad, be absolutely Champions League ready, you would not expect them to have significant problems in the Premier League. Um, a winner or a captain, um, there is an attraction there. What I can say is that Maurizio Sarri, um, the new manager of Juventus, has told friends that he does not want to lose Bonucci. Um, Juventus obviously need to uh, create room in the wage bill for uh, the, the number of players they're bringing in this summer. And, uh, and Bonucci, who's one of the highest paid players at the club, would be an option there. But the, at least from the manager's perspective, if he's allowed to, he wants to t retain the player for next season. Well, at 5.5 million euros net, as this reported salary is, Duncan, I'm sure Bonucci is someone um, who clearly is valued by Juventus, but not just that, someone who, if they moved on, quite frankly, would um, give them some room to bring in other players. From one of the most um, valuable players in Italy, we move to one of the most valuable players in Spain. And that, of course, that is Antoine Griezmann and his move to Barcelona. Um, and Duncan has some news regarding how that particular deal could be facilitated by a move from one player from Camp Nou to uh, uh, Atletico and how that is going to influence um, the way that things turn out for Atletico and Barca this summer. Yeah, we've been talking about Barcelona a lot. We've had a lot of questions about how Barcelona can afford um, to sign Neymar and Griezmann in the in the one window, having already put a, a big deal in place for Frankie de Jong. Um, we told you that they see uh, they want to sell players on, and that they see uh, the sale of um, the right back Nelson Semedo as one of the options for raising cash. Uh, we mentioned to you they'd had a conversation with Dani Alves um, about uh, the potential of him coming back to Barcelona after Paris Saint-Germain withdrew the contract offer they'd made to the Brazil international um, to stay for uh, two further years. We suggested that Semedo might be sold um, with Dani Alves coming in to take over uh, the sharing of the right back duties with Sergi Roberto, which would allow them, which would allow Barcelona to put money elsewhere. What I can tell you is that Barcelona have now um, suggested that Semedo be uh, included in the Antoine Griezmann transfer. Um, they are offering the 120 million euro release clause um, that now has come into effect today. Uh, we told you earlier, Atletico believe uh, Barcelona should pay more because um, the deal, they feel the deal with Griezmann was agreed in advance when they when a, a, a higher, far higher um, release clause was in effect. Um, Barcelona values Semedo at 50 million, so they want a 50 million discount on the Griezmann deal 
um, from Atletico if they allow Semedo to go there. I'm told Atletico are, pre- are prepared to value Semedo at 30 million as part of the deal. Um, and I'm told it is possible that Nelson Semedo would um, consider that move um, if the two clubs can come to an agreement. Um, and, you know, we're, we're getting, I think now we're in July. Uh, now we're in the uh, the new financial year as far as um, financial fair play uh, assessments uh, happen for UEFA and most of the domestic leagues. You're seeing a lot more of uh, the planned activity uh, come into place and we're seeing more of the of the horse trading, which is an integral part of every uh, transfer market um, coming into action this month. Duncan, we're going to do Heroes and Villains because it is Monday after all. And um, I'm quite pleased to say that you have absolutely got a hero for us for this week. Yes, my hero for the week is um, Rafael Camacho, um, the Portuguese uh, youth. Portuguese scouser. (laughs) (laughs) Portuguese who who doesn't want to to be in Liverpool anymore. Um, And not for that reason, but because of the way he's handled... uh, his uh, contract negotiations with Liverpool. Uh, interesting story in that um, he wanted to go to uh, to Sporting on loan in January. Jurgen Klopp blocked that move um, because he had injuries at right back, played him at right back once and then didn't give him another game. Um, he, Liverpool really wanted to retain a player who scored a lot of goals in the uh, UEFA Youth League and, uh, and is considered a, a real talent. Uh, made him a very substantial offer of £55,000 a week, big signing on fee. Um, but Camacho decided that he would move back to his uh, uh, the club where he'd first started playing, uh, sporting, because they were promising him first-team football and to take a pay cut to do so, take substantially less salary at, uh, at sporting. Um, and the reason he's my hero is he's backing himself as a first-team footballer, thinks he's ready to play, ready to uh, to ignore substantial sums of money being offered to him by um, one of the biggest clubs in Europe uh, because he didn't like uh, the way he'd been handled by them. I'm told that uh, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool would not play him in the first team until he'd uh, signed a new contract. So they'd, they'd use that tactic uh, to keep him there. Uh, didn't, didn't appreciate that. Um, but essentially backing himself to, to prove himself on the big stage and develop his career by, by playing games, um, which I think is an essential part for every footballer is knowing um, what the right move for you is at a particular time. Um, and there aren't always that many footballers who are prepared to turn down money um, to make the right move. But uh, Camacho looks like he could be one of those. I have to say, I like the cut of his jib. If he's willing to do that, then uh, just further his career, then that's great. Um, someone who is um, possibly not in that category is the uh, great Luis Suarez, who cannot be um, denounced or debated as one of the best strikers in European football of the last five years. However, to miss from 12 yards, we have to say you're a villain. You're a villain, Luis Suarez, because in the quarterfinal of the Copa America, you took the first penalty and you missed. It hit the chest of the Peruvian goalkeeper, Pedro Galese. So you cannot really have any kind of comeback on that. Penalties from 12 yards should easily be converted and you managed to miss that. 
maybe you weren't within biting distance, and that's of course another story. But apart from that, the fact is you're a villain for the fact that you did that, and you're Gawai, who are a, a, an absolute legendary force in this particular competition. You have made sure that they're not available for the semi-finals. So you've got to be my villain for the week. Um, Duncan, um, Luis Suarez, is it is it a thing or is it just what's it going to be with him going for, forward? Well, I think Luis Suarez is just regretting that he his uh, his penalty wasn't taken against Jose Mourinho as uh, the most famous <laughs> player of your your footballing career was. Because then uh, Uruguay would uh, be in the semi-finals. <laughs> like cut your jib, that's for sure. Time for us to draw this particular podcast to a close. Um, of course, as always, if you want to continue the debate, please contact us on our official Twitter account, which is at Transfer Podcast. With uh, Duncan, it's at Duncan Castles, and me at Garbo SJ. Um, if you like the podcast, and we're sure that um, thousands, well, we know you do, um, go on to uh, iTunes and give us a five-star view, and we can enlarge the community, um, whereby we have these debates on a tri-weekly basis. Uh, other than that, we will be back on Wednesday with your questions answered, as always. Um, and until then, we will see you through the transfer window. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.